This presentation is from Design Leadership 2020. So joining us next um, is Kat Katcha. Kat, um, they're going to be talking to us about the importance uh, of emotional intelligence and empathy in our design leaders. Hello, Kat. Welcome and thank you. Hey, how you going? Good. Thank really you. good. Oh, um, really good to be here. Um, ready to go? Yeah, over to you. Thank you. Awesome, no problem. I'll just start my little timer. Um, so um, I'm obviously here going to talk a little bit about uh, empathy as a leadership skill. Now, my talk's going to be from quite a, a personal perspective, obviously. Um, and before I begin, I just wanted to acknowledge the traditional owners of the land that I'm speaking on. I'm here in um, Kensington, Melbourne, so it's the uh, Wurundjeri people of the Kulin Nation. I just wanted to pay my respects to uh, elders past, present and emerging and any community members that might be watching. And also to acknowledge that sovereignty was never ceded. Um, so before we jump into empathy as a leadership skill, I'll just talk very briefly about myself. Um, I'm Kat, obviously. I'm trans non-binary, so my um, pronouns are they, them. I'm a UX designer, most recently with Intrepid Travel. Uh, yep, <laughs> um, you can find me on Twitter, obviously. I, I spend a lot of time ranting on there, um, and I'm quite open about uh, UX and a lot of the things I talk about um, going forward in this presentation. So what I believe in and, and what you'll find in this presentation is using my skills, experiences and privilege as tools for social change. Um, so jumping straight into empathy as a leadership skill. Again, before we start another small caveat, I want to talk about first empathy as a buzzword. Um, we see a lot of what I call empathy washing, um, virtue signaling, things like that, um, where we talk about empathy on a really surface level and we talk about um, caring about people and things like that. And that can be all well and good, but we need to make sure that those intentions aren't just intentions and we're getting some action as well. Um, so it's all very good to pat yourself on the back, but um, let's go a little deeper into that. So acknowledgement of empathy is a buzzword at the moment, and we're trying to avoid that. So before I do jump into empathy as a leadership skill, I did want to talk about first what is leadership. Um, and this very much informs uh, why we're going to talk about empathy as a leadership skill. So it's a huge area of study in the social sciences um, with lots of approaches. There's Western schools of thought, there's Eastern schools of thought, and within those there's variations. Generally, we go by the Western US definition, which is a process of social influence, where a person can enlist the aid and support of others in the accomplishment of a common task. So that's pretty vague and based on a lot of systems and structures, structures and assumptions that are problematic. For example, what is the common task? Who decides the common task? Um, how are we uh, imposing our social influence? Um, what is the shape and type of this aid and support of others? Who are these others? Um, so we can see that there might be some issues with the, the structure of what leadership is. And that's something to be careful of as well. And that's why I want to talk about empathy as a leadership skill. It's not traditionally seen as one unless it's to kind of influence others. And that can be very rocky ground as well. So we know that systems and structures, obviously, from this, this slide here and from broader ideas that we're seeing across the world, we know that they're not quite working. They don't reflect or serve the diverse 
and varied society that we have, um, we can see that with inequalities across the globe. Um, so current systems and structures aren't working. That's pretty obvious. Uh, we can see that a lot in books, articles. I mean, if you type anything like this in to Google, you will find countless examples. Going on Twitter, if you listen to any minority or oppressed person or someone who is marginalised or not generally the status quo, that's what you'll see. And there's a couple examples here of some books that uh, are good examples of where we see technology going wrong with the influence of obviously us as people because we can't really just say that technology did it because we built that. Um, so looking at that, I wanna talk about what is empathy. After we've looked at what is leadership, what is empathy on the other hand? So empathy is a skill. It's a skill that you can develop and learn, um, but there are different types of empathy um, and we'll talk a little bit about those. Um, so empathy generally is the ability to understand and share the feelings of another person. So looking at that, we want to look at emotional intelligence first. It's very similar to empathy. What, what's the difference there? Where can we see um, the overlaps? So as you saw in the last slide, the ability to understand and share the feelings of another is what empathy is. But emotional intelligence is similarly the ability to recognise the emotions and your own emotions discern between different feelings and label them appropriately and use that to guide your thinking and behaviour. The last point there is uh, where we see empathy kind of in action and that's really where I see emotional intelligence and leadership coming through and why empathy is important to that and how those things all kind of connect. So that's the ability to manage or adjust your emotions to adapt to environments or achieve a goal. Again, there you see some similarities with what leadership is, there's a common task to be performed. Um, and then you also see that there is parts of empathy that come into this, understanding, discerning feelings, um, sharing feelings. So going forward, the three types of empathy, what are they? So you can think about emotional empathy as the first one. That's very much based on, obviously, your feelings. Um, emotions, physical sensations, mirroring each other's neurons. So you might think of being able to see someone crying and actually getting a little lump in your throat or welling up with tears or really feeling that ache in your chest. And um, the kind of idea about emotions being contagious, maybe someone smiles and you smile too. Um, there's also cognitive empathy that's uh, based on thoughts, under this understanding and intellect. So the difference there is that you might observe that someone has uh, been impacted by something someone has said and you understand that they are feeling a certain way, obviously. They've been impacted by that. You notice that cognitively you have picked up on that. You might not be sharing the feelings, the emotional kind of empathy, but you've picked up on that cognitively. The last one there is compassion. So that's based on both intellect and uh, feeling, but then putting that together, um, and this is where you see the links again with emotional intelligence and leadership, uh, putting that together with action. So this is the kind of empathy that considers a whole person. And this is the kind of empathy that I'm talking about when it comes to leadership. Not necessarily just feeling the emotions and really sympathising with that person, not just knowing, but also um, having that compassion and being uh, compelled to action. And that's where we see the overlap with emotional intelligence and then leadership as well. Um, but how does empathy inform that? So how do we see empathy in practice? Um, one really 
interesting article that I saw quite a time ago was uh, Fundamentals of Effective Allyship. And I think this is a really interesting um, article that can inter be interpreted, of, interpreted as how we can lead with empathy um, and that compassionate type of empathy where there's actually action, not just um, feeling or cognitive awareness. So effective allyship, um, Carolina Schur has broken this up in an article where the first step is understanding privilege and um, that's overlapping, um, I guess, areas of privilege, whether you maybe are white, whether you're middle class, whether you went to university, whether you could afford to go to university, things like that, understanding what privilege is and how that impacts the society that we live in and, and us as individual people. Um, effective allyship also talks about amplifying and empowering other people and specifically people that don't share the same privilege as you. So those who are otherwise oppressed or minorities, things like that. The third one is holding yourself accountable. So it's all very well and good to, to believe in empathy and have compassion and try to have action and actually make changes, obviously, um, to do with your experiences and your understanding and your empathy. Um, but it's also important to hold yourself accountable um, and realise that you aren't the saviour of all people um, and you may be actually part of those problematic systems and enforcing them in your own way and not to get defensive about that. So it's always a learning process. I find empathy and understanding effective allyship. And another thing that I'll be touching on um, is a focus on intersectionality and what that is. So the fourth one, before I jump into intersectionality, I get very excited about it, is um, prioritising impact over intent. So this one kind of comes into play when uh, I think about uh, apologies. So uh, one apology might be, I'm sorry that you feel that way, as opposed to, uh, I'm sorry that what I said hurt you. So taking the onus off the the victim, as it were, and, and understanding your own responsibility. And that's also got to do with holding yourself accountable. Um, and the focus on intersectionality, obviously, there is the last one. And I'll talk a little bit more about that now. Um, so what is intersectionality? Um, I am obviously not the um, source of all knowledge on this. I, I've learned about it myself. I've tried to research it myself. And uh, Again, I can't, I don't have all the answers. It's a learning process. Um, so the term was coined back in uh, the, in, oops, sorry, 89 by a black feminist named Kimberly Crenshaw. And it's about how we kind of need to strive to understand how aspects of one's political, obviously their identity, so things like gender, race, class, sexuality, ability, combine to create different types of discrimination. So uh, it's also an analytic framework. I know that all my researchers out there will be very excited about this qualitative analytic framework. Um, two coffees in. Um, and how that identifies those interlocking systems of power and those, how those systems of power affect marginalised people in, the, in our society. So it's about those interlocking forms of power, how they lead to discrimination, um, and how those different intersecting points of discrimination can uh, create a different experience, a unique experience. So my experience as a trans non-binary person is not going to be the same as my, uh, someone experience, someone's experience as a trans man who lives on the other coast, the other side of Australia in Perth. 
for example. And that goes deeper and more um, layered, uh, the more intersections that we face. Um, and the most important part is the purpose of intersectionality. It's a theory to identify how these overlapping systems of oppression, categories of identity, and how they, they impact people and institutions and make these relationships, take these in relationships into account, sorry, when we're working with um, social and political equity. So that's changing structures and understanding the different, different ways that structures overlap and can empower some people and oppress others and how to um, try to shift that dynamic so we can all get on more of an even playing field uh, is, I guess, how I would see the, the, the purpose of intersectionality and how that plays into effective allyship and then working as a leader. That's sort of understanding that your, your privilege as a leader is quite special and uh, your position as a manager, again, there is quite unique in that you are uh, effectively helping these people do what they do. Um, now I'm going to jump into a couple of very brief personal examples of um, how that's played out for me personally in this, in, into the intersections that I um, am a part of. So some personal examples. Um, and just briefly before I talk about it, I, I'm going to be talking about the intersection of, you know, being a trans non-binary person and also uh, a, kind of the, a person who experiences mental health issues. And that's something I've been going through a lot recently as well and I'm, I'm quite open about that and um, you'll see the experience that I've had there and how leadership with empathy has helped sort of a ripple effect. So number one is uh, sort of a human to human connection. This is something I experienced at my last job uh, recently with Intrepid where I was struggling um, with mental health issues and I was at a part uh, in my personal transition where I was going to get surgery and there was lots of barriers for me and I was struggling at work. Um, and I found that my manager, Jules, approached, approached me more in a, a human way and got to know me as a human being. Um, who are you? What do you need? How do you work? How can I facilitate your job and your environment to make it so that you can do the best work that you can do? So that's one way of empathy and leadership, sort of seeing someone on a human level and understanding those different ways that maybe systems might be put together in workplaces and the way we work that might not be working for specifically myself and how can we shift those to make it work for you. Jumping forward to the second example, again, another personal example. The last one's a little bit more broad. Um, lift as you climb. I really love this idea um, and that's about sort of sharing your privilege and the opportunities that you get with those who are not the status quo who, or who don't share the same privileges that you do. So again, um, this is my experience at, at Intrepid Travel working with uh, an anthropologist named Alice. So she was working on a paper that was going to be going to an epic conference, an epic conference, the epic conference, which is some sort of crazy anthropologist uh, conference. It's really special and exciting in Rhode Island. Um, and she was talking about um, her research methods and how that was synthesized into design. Um, yeah, and how those two uh, methods can come together to have really good outcomes that are really user focused. So Alice was going to present this piece of work at this conference and she noted that like I had been involved in the work too and invited me to sort of submit my work as part of that as well, um, included my name, talked about my design work, and subsequently 
after her presentation, she's been contacted by some universities, some quite big universities in America to talk about getting that, um, that analysis and that case study put into some um, curriculum work, I guess, um, for analysis um, at sort of how those two disciplines can work together to create better outcomes. So that was really amazing um, to get to be part of that as well. So the last one um, I wanted to talk about, not specifically about me, um, but it's about listening. Um, so uh, this is very much about amplify and empower, obviously, and holding yourself accountable. But I, I often notice that we, we build up a lot of digital and real life communities and they're really important to us, obviously. Human connection is something that we all need. Um, but what I find is we start to shape those communities to sort of reflect who we already are, which is great. But we also find that we're not hearing other voices. So who do you surround yourself with in your physical and digital communities? Whose voices are you seeing at the top of your timeline? Is it, is it always Mark Zuckerberg? Is it always white dude bro in tech who's talking about Bitcoin? Um, or are we seeing different voices who are talking about hey, maybe this is not accessible to me. Hey, maybe uh, this is not secure to someone who's in my position, in my intersection. Um, so that is really what I wanted to highlight there. Who are you listening to? Um, and there's lots of tools to kind of be able to um, analyze who, who you're following on Twitter or Instagram, things like that. But I also encourage you to do that in your own life as well. Noticing those people in your office, I guess a bit hard at the moment when we're all remote, um, but who are not getting their voices listened to as much, who, who are part of impacted communities but not, might not be consulted directly. Um, and sort of bring those voices in. Um, and that's a really important part, I think, of sort of leading with empathy is also stepping back and listening. Um, and that's a big part of leadership, I, I think, as well, as much as it is standing on a mountain with a stick and saying, let's go forward and get the big thing. Um, so the main idea I'm kind of get across here from the start of the presentation is that our current systems and structures aren't really working. And we can kind of use the idea of empathy, but empathy in action um, through leadership uh, and using our privilege as leaders um, to subvert and sort of deconstruct those oppressive systems. So if it's not working, maybe it isn't a, a jump up to the CEO and try and get everything changed all the way down. It's going to take six months and like civil litigations and who knows what. Um, maybe it's about just subverting things in your own way, in your own space, within your own power, within your own privilege. Um, and replacing them with a better structure, better ideas, different people, built and different structures that are built by and for like a better reflection, a more just, uh, a more varied, a more, I mean, a more mirror reflection of the society that we have that's diverse and varied um, and, and pretty great and beautiful and not one that we kind of hear enough from. Um, and that's all I got for you. Thank you. So basically leadership with empathy, please. It's not just about being nice. Thank you very much, Kat. That was fabulous. Thank you.